Eve, I think what's catching, catching them so off guard and what they're unprepared for is that they have never had a transition effort or preparation that is intent on stating what needs to be done clearly and on the record and proudly and defending it before any elections ever occurred. And you have to do that when you change paradigms, governing paradigms, because even if you have the right people, they come into these departments and they think that they come into the Department of Justice and they think they're supposed to be separated from the White House. And these institutions are trying to shape their behavior the best of conservatives sometimes. And what we're saying is we're going to plant the flags now. We're going to say in the instance of federal spending that presidents had the ability to impound funds for 200 years until a, a bad law got passed that we think is unconstitutional under President Nixon. And, and we want to go back in a different direction. And many of those settlements that came out of the Nixon world, the Nixon uh, time period where the executive branch was at its lowest point, is how official Washington, D.C. wants to have govern them for the rest of, of, of eternity. And unfortunately, we need radical constitutionalism. We need to go back to how separation of powers was meant to work, state it, defend it, and then hopefully give it to people who are willing to do it. America first victories need protection, folks. Welcome to Truth Thursday on The Rob Mana Show. We're live here at the Red Voice Media Network, where we bring you the facts and the truth. And welcome to our X-Spaces live simulcast audience. We appreciate y'all and look forward to the engagement today. Well, America first is a winning set of ideas in politics and government. It's been proven over and over. The America first Republican base had its greatest victory yet when we fired Kevin McCarthy and constitutional conservative Mike Johnson was elected speaker. In another big victory, veteran J.R. Majewski is back in the congressional race for the Ohio 9th District against leftist Marcy Kaptur after being derailed by her and establishment Republicans in 2022 using lies about his military service. However, the Uniparty fights back, so we need adequate plans to defend our victories. Well, my first guest today is that man you just heard right there, and he's no stranger to fighting against the Uniparty's efforts to keep their power. Russ Vogt is the president of the Center for Renewing America and was President Trump's Office of Management and Budget Director. Russ, welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, sir. Well, thanks for having me. Good to be back on. Hey, it's good to see you. Uh, well, radical constitutionalism, what does that mean? Well, I believe that means, you know, to ordinary individuals like you and I and the grassroots actually just going back to constitutionalism. But what makes it radical is that you have a uniparty that on one hand gives lip service, the Republicans give lip service to the Constitution, but they've really adopted all of the, the settlements that have arisen from progressivism uh, from the post-Nixon era uh, the independent agencies, the notion of an, a deep administrative state that functions on its own. Uh, and as a result, mm -hmm. going back to how the founders would have approached not just how you should operate, but the level of conflict that they envisioned between the branches really does require a radical change in, in a different vision. And I've talked about it in various places and, and have written on it. You know, I think right now we are facing a post-constitutional moment, unfortunately. Obviously, we're the people that love the Constitution, but the left do literally does not care about what the Constitution says. They make arguably legal uh, uh, arguments that mm -hmm. they base on their interests, and they just, you know, that's why they change on a dime, and their viewpoints always are 
consistent with the moment. And they just never told the Republican Party, the conservatives, hey, we, 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 we literally walked away from this contract. We just didn't tell you. And on our side, we've got guys, you know, that are like, no, you can't, you can't do this or that. Uh, mm. And I think you've got to go back to what would James Madison do if he was faced in this situation? Because there's a logic to the separation of powers that has been totally lost by most of our legal community. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. How, how did we, well, how we are here, we are at this moment in the country. It is post-constitutional. Uh, and I think for all the reasons you just mentioned, but our side refuses, at least the ones that have gotten into power so far that have the, the levers in their hands. I'm not talking about every elected Republican, but, but the ones that have the power levers in their hands right now, uh, doesn't seem to get it that that the voters that put them there expect them to resurrect the republic as a constitutional republic and to use all of their power to do it, Russ. And we keep seeing what looks like intentional losing when we get victories. I mean, I mentioned Mike Johnson's. That's a that's the biggest victory for American constitutionalists and America First policy uh, uh, voters that's ever happened, I think, in this country, uh, as far as the federal government goes. You it know? was a spectacular but, victory, for sure. And, you yeah. know, I think a lot went into the last for that in the last year. But I, I share your frustration. The, the data point that I would give was this recent vote on the FBI headquarters, where you have 70 mm -hmm. Republicans vote for the headquarters to preserve it. And then you hear their justifications, and they're like, you know, we're the party of law and order. And the FBI, we're not the ones that want to defund the police. It's like, are you guys paying attention? Do you have, like, why did you run for office? Are you not at all cognizant of what the country, the American people that is not invested in the regime is facing? Uh, and it, the, the clear answer is no, that there's a, a staggering naivete with some of these members. I think it's one part uh, intentional. And I also think there's just unbelievable amounts of, of people on our side that don't work hard to know what's actually going on. They still think if they read the Washington Post and the New York Times, they're getting a kind of a liberal slant. They don't realize they're getting state media. It's, yeah. It is totally different. These are operatives that are writing news articles. It's not, it's not the liberal media that they grew up in. And so when they, mm -hmm. don't, when they don't think like that, they, they have no ability to conceive what is actually going on, to have height, to kind of get above the fray. And it's no excuse for that. We have podcasts like yours. We have The War Room. We have uh, yep. any number of, of, of Substack accounts and people on Twitter. Uh, that's how you stay plugged in, but they're just not doing it. And as a result, they have no idea uh, what we're facing and what time it is. Is it the truth that, and I, I think it is, but I'll just ask you, you, you live clo much closer to the, the cesspool up there than I do, uh, but it seems to me that the truth of the matter is, is that most of those Republicans, like the, the 70 that voted uh, for the FBI headquarters, they actually uh, think that all of those protesters that showed up on January 6th are traitors to the country and they deserve everything they get. Even if it's if it's grandma or grandpa that walked into the Capitol for a second, took a selfie and left. Uh, is that a is that an accurate assessment? That is totally accurate. They do not want to touch January 6th. 
uh, with a 10 feet pole. They're, they're con they continue to be uh, adopting the framing of the left to say that this is an insurrection. Um, they are unwilling to look at the facts about the extent to which we've had political prisoners in there. Uh, and you know, each one of these individuals have their own story. Uh, right. The reality is that you know, they should be out on bail. They're not flight risk. They, they haven't been. They're not a threat to the community. And mm -hmm. the very fact that they have been in, in con that they've been confined for so long gives you an indicator of what folks like me are saying. It's like we're dealing with a fundamentally different country. That could happen to any one of us. Any one of us could be accused of something. And we don't have separation of powers on this because when you, when you adopt, and this is what I think people really need to understand, that they don't teach uh, in, in, in government classes, right? When you have two branches that share three branches, that share the same paradigm, January 6th was an insurrection, and anyone was there must, the, the, you know, must be put away for, for forever, right? That's, right? And we can't have any kind of uh, an understanding about what actually happened, how it happened, the extent to which there were federal agents in the, that were, were, were pushing it. Like, if you can't have that level of debate at all, what, if you've been unjustly confined and put in jail, What's the judge that you're appealing to going to do? No, they have the same view, the same paradigm. So you yep. you, you have this merge of a of of one administrative state, three different branches, and we see that on a host of different issues. And that's why it's so hard to unpack uh, and and point ahead without really unpacking. People you know always uh, tease me a little bit because I talk about paradigms, but if you don't talk about the at the at that level of what we're talking about. Um, you're, you're, you're ultimately going to be finding solutions that are insufficient for the fix that's needed. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, it's it's very odd because in the House of Representatives, the, the framers designed it to be short term, so you're constantly having to touch base with your constituents. You know, and go and go and you live there, uh, and uh, and I know their constituents are not telling them, yeah. Yeah, we want that $300 million FBI headquarters. Their constituents, I think, are most of them, more than 70% are saying, I think the FBI probably needs to go at this point because they see what's happening. Uh, but these guys and gals are not listening to them. It's, it's almost as if, ah, talk to the hand. Uh, I know yeah. better than you. I'm up here, uh, and I'm going to do what I think I should do, and I'm not going to listen to all of you 750,000 people for di per district uh, that voted for me, and even the ones that didn't vote for me, I'm supposed to be your congressman or woman, uh, but I'm not going to do it. Well, Russ, we've got a live audience now on the show. I'm going to go over there and uh, let one of them ask a question. And uh, what do we got over there, Cat? Cat's our host uh, in the uh, X Spaces audience. We got, <laughs> we got Wib, actually, also known as Sofa King. Go ahead. Go ahead, Wib. Hey, guys. Uh, this is something that I've been talking that I've been really thinking about hard in recent weeks. I actually wrote an essay about this, comparing our current slate of Republicans with the Washington generals. The Washington generals are the uh, they are the the basketball team that is uh, travels around with the Harlem Globetrotters. And I think they've they've won one game against uh, in, in seventeen thousand games. They've won one game against them back in the seventies. And 
it's it's basically what it's what the Republicans have become is they they are basically just the stooges for the the Democrat uh, display of skill and uh, political acumen. And it, they they go around following the rules, playing a normal game of 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 politics. Mm-hmm. But then, but then they will also refuse to use those proper rules to interfere with the with the tricks and so forth of the Democrats. And it it's really eye opening when you when you put the Washington yeah. generals and the description of the Washington generals next to the Republicans, and it's like there is a direct correlation here. I can't disagree with you. You got simultaneous smiles from Russ and I when you said that. Uh, too, Russ, uh, your your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that what he's hitting on is that we have a uniparty. Two two things I would say that number one, you have a cartel that is is designed to not have political risk. The Republicans are generally okay with trying to accomplish their policy objectives if there's no political risk. And we know that that leads you only up to a certain point. And so if you're really trying to save the country and do hard things, you run for office and you make commitments to your voters, you're going to have to unsettle the status quo. And that creates political risk that you have to manage. So I'm not not arguing for politicians to have catastrophic risk. I am saying that you're not going to save the country without risk, and it needs to be managed. So that's number one. What they constantly then try to do is to direct the fight that you're talking about to these red team, blue team. Remember we were trying to repeal Obamacare and every fight turned into a fight about the little medical device tax? Like, what on earth? That was the smallest piece of Obamacare and yet that's what we're having the fight about because that was the achievable win that the lobbyists gave to the powers that be. Uh, and so, you know, we see that time and time again. The th- second thing I would just say real quickly is that's why we talk a lot about America First issues, is because by focusing on those cultural issues for God, for country, for community, those are definitionally efforts to get out of the uniparty's agenda-setting process. They have tried to force us, all right, unless you're talking about economics, we don't want to hear what you have to say. If you're talking about the nation, what keeps the nation together, we don't want to hear anything about that. That's very controversial. And that's what our center, that's what seems like what, what, what this audience is really interested in. That is, that is so important because I think for, for 40, 50 years, we've had a uniparty consensus that you can't talk about those issues. We're going to talk about uh, economics and the, the, the consumer, and there's a certain value in that, but that's not the extent of it. And, and the nation comes above the economy. And I think that's one of the things that you also see with, with some of these fights. Yeah, exactly right. It's interesting that uh, the economic discussion is the desired one because the rest of the greatest power uh, in the government is the power of funding. And the founders wrote it that way and gave a specific entity the most power over that. And we're going to talk about that after I do this little ad read here and I show uh, a video clip about the continuing resolution. I almost have to spit when I say that because it's such a nasty taste in my mouth when I say continuing resolution. Well, listen up, folks. Bidenomics is not working. 
The U.S. dollar is losing value and your hard-earned savings are at risk. You can act now before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar in volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833-2USA-GOLD. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com right now. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. We're talking about protecting our America First victories, and we've had some huge victories, the greatest one being the, the election of the new Speaker of the House. With Russ Vogt, he's the president of the Center for Renewing America and uh, President Trump's last OMB director. Well, let's show clip two, Disco, before we continue this discussion and get into the CR discussion and omnibus discussion. The plan is facing some opposition from some Republicans. Georgia Congressman Andrew Clyde writing on X that the bill continues to fund the Democrats' radical policies and bloated spending levels. Joining me right now is Georgia Congressman Andrew Clyde. He's a member of the House Appropriations Committee and a Navy combat veteran. Uh, Congressman, thanks very much for being here. And you're not the only one pushing back on this. A lot of your colleagues are also upset by this bill uh, for not cutting spending enough. Uh, uh, you've got Warren Davidson from Ohio saying, look, nobody campaigned on the status quo. So why are we doing the status quo or even worse than the status quo? You're exactly right, Maria. Good morning. Uh, this is a bad bill. It should uh, not pass. It will not pass with solid Republican support. It's going to have to pass with Democrat support. And honestly, uh, it needs to be fixed. There needs to be, at a minimum, the FRA levels and not the current Pelosi spending levels with the current Pelosi policy in it. Uh, that's not why Republicans were voted into the majority. We do not, we're not here for the status quo. We're here to change Washington and make us more fiscally responsible. And yeah, that's not what this bill is doing. More like that man, please. Uh, more. That's why I wanted to play that clip. Unfortunately, it passed the Senate last night, didn't it? If I understood the, my, my media read this morning uh, when I saw it, Russ. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I told people that Mike Johnson, he's a friend of mine. I consider him a close friend. I've known him since before either one of us ran for office. Uh, and he's a good man, but he's going to disappoint us. Everybody in, uh, it, that's an elected official eventually disappoints People. I didn't expect it to be quite so much right out of the gate. CRs are bad, but this particular methodology that he used on this set of them to get to the budget discussion that we all want to have seems to be pretty precarious and dangerous from my perspective. How, where are you at on this? I totally agree. Um, and I I'm, I'm, was really excited. I continue to be excited that Mike Johnson is the speaker. Uh, and, you know, I've had some great conversations with him. And, you know, I, I, I think that this was a, a, a bad week with regard to the CR that he put forward. Uh, but I also am going to look to see what he does with it in January and February. I mean, look, you can't have the, the problem he's got is he's got a conference of, of Republicans that don't ever want to fight. And Andrew Clyde is obviously the exception to that. And he's now bought himself some time. But he's got to be honest with the American people. If you're going to accomplish anything that, that this majority was what came to do, it requires confrontation. You are going to have to have a shutdown. And so I'll be looking to see how, how is he going to get his members in fighting mode and get them able and united around discrete wins. Because I think once he starts having wins, and he started out his first week was fantastic. 
started mm -hmm. paying for the Israel funding, broke it away from the Ukraine supplemental, had the whole had the whole town uh, ap apoplectic. He needs more of those types of wins, and then his majority will continue uh, to to fight. But he can't, he's got to do everything. I had I had a viewpoint when I was a, a leadership staff that if if I heard something in any of our meetings on on strategy or procedure, I literally assumed it was wrong. It, it didn't it didn't matter how good it sounded, it was wrong. Uh, and and that honestly was always the case. You the the way that the leadership structure works, it's an institution, so it's shaping your behavior, and right. it's shaping you away from conflict towards stability, away from risk, away from caring about are your objectives actually accomplished? And to the extent that you get into those those offices and you, he's got the whole same team, that he's going to have to work really hard to, to reverse engineer all of that on the fly. And I think the jury's still out on how he will do. This week wasn't a good one. Uh, but, uh, you know, the difference, and the difference is that I actually think he's an honorable man and he's not a cartel person, right? So he comes from our world, and now he's trying to figure out how to get the, the, the mechanics to go in the right direction, and we'll see how he goes. But this wasn't a good week from the standpoint of, the, of that CR. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he gets the CR passed, and then he says, ah, no more votes till August, or November 28th. That's exactly the thing that we out here that were cheering his election uh, don't want to see anymore. We want to see the the fight in the Republican Party that we gave the House of Representatives to and uh, uh, going home for the Thanksgiving hol Thanksgiving holiday is not the fight you know so what is the plan you've got this the short term CR there's two of them right or or is it one bill uh, with some staggering going on that takes you into January there are two uh, continuing resolutions one that extends three of the bills into January 19th, and then one that takes them into February 2nd. And the notion of, of, of these short terms at best was, okay, if, you, if the members were never gonna have a fight in Thanksgiving and Christmas, how do you isolate the fight so exclusively on Department of Justice and DHS that those mm -hmm. would shut down before DOD shut down and some of the others? That's not what was put on the floor. I mean, I could have, I could have sold that. In some respects, I, I right. was proposing that. That's not what we got. Instead, we got one that, guess which one sunsets the first? The Department of Veter VA, the Veterans Affairs. Uh, of yeah. course, that's not going to be, there's not going to be a fight over the VA. And yeah. so, you know, you look at the fine points of this, it's like an idea went into the Appropriations Committee and just came out just completely... Uh, a dumpster fire from it. And then they also extended the farm bill for a year. And there, you know, you can't, you, that's another must pass bill that could have been used as an opportunity to, to relitigate whether we have, uh, give China most favored nation trade status. It could have been an opportunity to get Chinese investment out of our, our rural areas. There have been a host of things we could have done with that. And now we've lost that for a year. So again, the cartel removing must pass bills so that they can clear the decks. And we can't see any more of that going forward. Yeah, but his hope is to have a, have a budget fight after the first of the year. That's an election year, too. I don't think anything is going to get done in that regard. I mean, how many uh, how many appropriation bills have we passed out of the 12? Six so far that are supposed to be passed? 
thereabouts, right? Yeah, and you know, it it gets harder and harder because you you know yeah. you're dealing with the election season for sure. Certainly does. Well, before we let you go, uh, let's take another question from the live audience. I know you gotta you, you gotta go here in a couple minutes, Russ, and I appreciate your time. So, Cat, go ahead. Uh, who's next? Chris Lee's next. I had a couple of questions I was going to ask, but this one's I'm going to change it up because I just caught onto this. The DOD, I seen that they failed like their sixth audit, you know. And this is, you know, that's a lot of money getting peed away, you know. Usually, if I fail an audit, I get in trouble or something. But uh, just kind of curious, how do how does how do us Americans? And I love the military, and it's not their fault. The people fighting on the ground it ain't their fault. It's the people up up top. How would you know? You keep looking at that. How the heck do people want to keep donating or putting taxes to that when they, you know, get no return? You can't fail audits. I mean, that's we have no we have no accountability up in Washington. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. And I saw it firsthand. I mean, it's not new that the the Department of Defense is a complete mess. Uh, at least they're you know under the Trump administration, we're the first ones to actually you know try to experience the audit and have it occur, uh, mm -hmm. but. It, I, 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 w I wish I could tell you that the story on the inside is better, but I, I just don't think it is. Um, we throw so much money at the Department of Defense, and there is very few people that are thinking about, is it, is it well spent? Uh, everything kind of gets you know, labeled, this is a readiness issue, and so if you don't fund it, you don't want our troops to have what they need to have the number of hours fl flown or the bullets. And in regard, and there, the the level of, of scrutiny that needs to be provided for 800 billion, 850 billion dollars, uh, is unfortunately not there. And it is, I would say, that it is a cultural crisis within the military, um, and it it's partly based on how they uh, they budget on an annual basis. It never stops, and yet they never really seem to focus on is this a good use of money. Um, but I'm glad that we continue to have these bad audits that show the extent to which the problem needs to be fixed. And um, hopefully we get you know, leaders that are, are willing to take this on. I think for your perspective, though, the, the, the person who asked the questions, you know, on the Republican side, we've got to have an error of restraint. You know, just because we support the military having what it needs, I promise you they can get the job done at lower levels of spending. And if you just keep giving them these artificial spending increases every year, because the economy, 4% of the economy, 3% yep. of the economy, there will never be restraint and accountability with that kind of viewpoint. And unfortunately, the defense hawks have entirely taken over the Republican Party. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Russ. Uh, and unfortunately, some of those defense hawks are retired generals and colonels and, uh, you know, in all ranks, really, represented in Congress. Uh, and, and a lot of them continue to ask for more money. And uh, and, uh, you're exactly right. The the budget on the DOD side doesn't need to continue to grow. I would just point out to everybody that we just walked away from a 25-year war in Afghanistan, and there's been no reduction in any of the budget, period, dot. It, you know, uh, so we do have to get our arms around that. I'm glad the auditing's still going, though, because it helps highlight that. So... Question for you on the, not necessarily the DOD budget, but uh, on the way forward, the path forward, what, what can folks out here help you with to maybe get the ship steered in the direction of reducing this woke uh, and weaponized government or stopping it uh, even better uh, from our perspective? How can we help you 
get that job done? Because I know you're talking to these folks every day uh, over in the Congress. I think the most important thing that people can do is to be knowledgeable on the issues, to know that there was this FBI vote, know the extent to which uh, these bills haven't moved and, and, and you know, the CR, the way it went down. I find that the more knowledgeable grassroots activists are, concerned citizens are, and the better their relationship with their members of Congress. Don't just deal with the staff. Invest personally in a direct relationship by text or phone call or in-person meeting and ask them, why were you one of these 70? And then be knowledgeable enough to know the excuses that they will have and be able to unpack those. And when that happens, you'd be surprised at how much impact someone at the grassroots level can have with a particular member of Congress. And then you multiply that person with that kind of knowledge, know, grow, and go, then you have an ability to just almost take over the, the district and you get a member, congress, congressional member that becomes exceedingly better uh, as that accountability uh, takes takes hold. Absolutely right. I've got my congressman's phone number in my phone and I, and I do text him and, and the folks that I talk to every day uh, do too. And we go see him when we do go to Washington, we get meetings with him. So you're absolutely right. Well, thanks, Russ. I appreciate it. Where can folks find the CRA and you uh, before I let you go here? AmericaRenewing.com is our website. They can get me on all the social media channels at at RussVote and at AMRenewCenter for the Twitter handle of our center. Well, thank you, sir. My best to you and your family. Keep up the good fight. We're here to support you, uh, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, Russ Vote, ladies and gentlemen, the president of Center for Renewing America and former OMB director for President Donald J. Trump. And I hope to see him back in government, too, when Mr. Trump wins the 2024 election. Well, we've got J.R. Majewski. He's a congressional candidate for Ohio 9, a U.S. veteran, a good man. And he's coming up next right after these messages on The Rob Manus Show. We'll be right back. Interrupt today's programming to bring unfortunate news. Biden's dangerous plan for a digital dollar is underway. Don't be fooled. It won't benefit you. So take action now. The Federal Reserve's phased deployment of FedNow began on July 1st, 2023. Be prepared. This may catch many off guard and put your hard-earned assets in jeopardy. But here's the good news. There's a simple legal tax loophole to opt out of the digital dollar. Speak to someone at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide and discover how to safeguard your wealth with gold and silver IRAs against a failing dollar and volatile markets. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. This invaluable guide provides precise steps to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals without any tax consequences. Don't let Biden force you into using the government's new digital dollar. Call 833, the number two USA Gold. Yes, call now, 833-287-2465. Act swiftly, 833-287-2465. If you're like me and you want to be prepared for the unexpected. That's where the wellness company's emergency medical kit comes Over in. Over 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. Medical emergency kits with ivermectin. The kit contains eight 
potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in the event of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, medical emergencies, or like an apocalyptic situation. These are the actual medications that you would need in the event of certain situations. So they've got emergency antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics. Hi everyone, this is J.R. Majewski, and today I would like to formally announce my campaign for Congress in Ohio's 9th District. You see, Marcy Captor, who I like to call Corrupt Captor, was recently exposed. She was caught spending millions of dollars lying about my military career. And I'm proud to stand with the truth, and I'm proud that my record has been vindicated. And I'm proud to be stronger than ever in my fight alongside you against the corrupt elite class of Washington, D.C. Now this campaign, it's about the working class citizens of Ohio. This campaign is about putting America first. And this campaign is about fighting for you. And I'm asking every one of you to go to jrforohio.com right now and join Team Majewski. Last cycle, we started a movement. This cycle, we win. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. It's Truth Thursday here, and we are telling the truth from the Red Voice Media Network live and with our X Spaces live audience. And uh, glad to have J.R. Majewski on the show with me. J.R., welcome back to the Rob Manus Show. And I got to be honest with you, uh, my friend, I am thrilled to see that video uh, because I was wondering what is going to happen after that really crappy treatment that you got, not just by captor, of course, but establishment Republicans, too, uh, in that uh, 2022 race, man. So thank you so much for deciding to run again. Our country needs people, that working people of our country need men and women like you to stand up for them and get in that Congress, man. I agree, sir. And it's a, it's it's great to be here. Um, uh, and thank you for having me and, and all the support uh, that you you gave to my campaign last cycle. It, it, it definitely, like I said in, in the video, you know, last cycle we started a movement and in this cycle we're going to finish the job. And, you know, it, it was a, it was a tough election. It's never easy to lose, but it's very, very hard to lose when you're lied about. And, you know, with, with God's grace and just some good old red, white, and blue stubbornness, I'm, I'm back uh, this cycle. And, um, you know, I'm going to prove, I'm going to prove, that to to the United States of America and to every you know Republican out there that you don't have to be part of some elite boys and girls club to to run for office here in the United States. You can do it if you're willing to put you know everything that you have on the line to to fight for the truth. So thank you for having me, man. It's it's a, it's always my pleasure. Absolutely, you know uh, uh, I've had my failures in life too in in politics and and in my military career and uh, and like you uh, you and I though. Uh, the regular American people, they know that learning from their failures is what leads people like Americans to end up being successful more and more and more. The more, as a matter of fact, the more I, the more I think about it, the, the more I have failed, 
the more successful I have been on the backside of those failures because I didn't let the failure uh, keep me from doing what I thought was right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as a young professional working in nuclear power, I can tell you that, you know, I had many of opportunities where, you know, as I became a leader, um, most of, most of the people that, that worked with me or for me, I hate saying work for me. I always say worked with me, but you know, Mm -hmm. the people that work with me were uh, oftentimes my father's age. And I, you know, time after time was challenged with, with leading people that were older than me until I broke um, you know, that paradigm where they understood that, you know, I was a leader and, and I was willing to stand next to them, not, not in front of them, not behind them. And, you know, when I would interview folks, you know, you, you would oftentimes see, you know, this person makes a mistake in their life. And then this person has a, has a golden record. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm inclined to go with the, the guy or gal that made a mistake because they obviously have continued to progress and they've learned from it, you know, and, yeah. and, and what's, what's better than to have that, that wisdom, uh, and, and that opportunity to learn from something that, I mean, look, we're talking, you know, non-catastrophic failures, but, you know, just your every, every day, um, you know, we make judgments in a fraction of a second and it's not how hard you fall. It's, it's whether you get back up and if you dust your jeans off and, and continue forward. You're absolutely right. So continuing forward, uh, uh, my last guest was Russ Boat, uh, President Trump's OMB director and the CRA president. And we were talking about this continuing resolution. And that's one of the reasons why I want you to win is because I've seen you talk about the budget process and everything. Just remind folks where you stand on the budget process and what you're going to push for when you get to Congress in that regard. Well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be voting for a continued resolution. I can understand the the dilemma with the, with the new speaker. And, um, you know, I met Mike Johnson and he was great to me campaigning last cycle. Um, one of the few in Republican leadership that I can say that about. Um, so I can understand the pressure that he's getting from from all sides and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the bubble in which he's operating in. But, you know, at this point, I think until we get single issue legislation, until we make these changes and until we're funding some of the things that are core uh, fundamentals to the, to the country, we, we cannot continue to kick the can down the road. We have to make it right. And, you know, we, we just can't continue this procrastination and, and give us 30 more days, give us 60, give us 90. I mean, you and I can't be late on a credit card payment or a mortgage payment without risking loss. Why should then uh, our elected officials be able to do that? Yeah, I think one of the one of the most troubling parts to me about this that process, and I'm with you. I ran on on doing zero based budgeting in like the Department of Defense and in in the U.S. overall at the federal level. Uh, but the the most troubling thing about these is that it continues to fund the woke and weaponized government of Joe Biden that we've seen the last three years, and uh, you know, and and I just think that's indicative of uh, where we're at in this country. Unfortunately, we don't have enough. Uh, personnel on our side to tip the balance, it seems, uh, which is another reason for folks to be excited about your candidacy, because uh, you're going to go up there, if I understand you correctly, and you're going to put your shoulder to tip, help tip that balance in the other direction, because, I mean, we can't just continue to just give a credit card to Joe Biden to continue this craziness. Right. And, and that's why you have folks like Matt Gates. You know, advocating for for single issue legislation so we can see through it. And you had guys like McCarthy that were hoping and praying for an omnibus. They they kept mm-hmm. pushing things down the road because they want this 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 situation where 
you know, legislators from across the country have to make these hard decisions. Do they fund the Biden's agenda, um, but but get something back to their district that they know their district wants and needs that's going to impact them next election? Or do they stand firm and, you know, cut out the procrastination? I mean, that's what this is all about. This is about Kevin McCarthy didn't show up to work until nine months after he was hired. And when he did show up, he complained and complained about what was going on and he got held accountable. And now we have a new group of leadership coming in, trying to uh, iron out the wrinkles and it, it's going to be a challenge. But at the end of the day, we all know how to balance a budget. I mean, any grown adult that ran a campaign that has filled out campaign finance reports. I mean, all of these things are, are you know, second nature to folks that are in Washington, D.C. They should all be able to balance a budget. This is not a hard thing. And at the end of the day, Rob, you know, Americans don't, I would say, generally speaking, America, the American voter doesn't expect magic to happen, right? They understand the dilemma. They understand how terribly operated our, our Congress has been for months. They don't expect solutions because they know it's going to falter in the Senate and they know that Joe Biden's going to knock it down. But damn, do they just want these guys to try, just try. That's all they're asking for. And, and they could really change the consensus of the American voter if they put their their good foot forward. But unfortunately, they're too busy, you know, chasing things down. I mean, I just put, put a tweet out that, you know, if we if we would go after Joe Biden the way we're going after George Santos, the Republican Party would be a better place. Oh, you're absolutely right. I, I don't get that one. I mean, I, I do get it because I've been a Republican for a long time and I've been a Republican candidate that the, the establishment didn't like. Uh, so I do get that, but you're absolutely right, Jr. I mean, we would be uh, much better off. And, and uh, speaking of Johnson, you know, Mike's a friend of mine. Uh, I have great confidence in him, but I don't agree with his uh, with the continuing resolution. However, he did say, you know, he spelled out his plan uh, and that he's trying to set the the uh, house up for a solid set of conservative budget debate wins. Uh, early in the year next year. I'm a little bit concerned about that because it's an election year and all that. Uh, but uh, what will you be fighting for when you get up there from a uh, from a border perspective on the southern border, the northern border, illegal alien entrance and those kind of things? What's your perspective well, on that and what direction are you going to try to take the conference in that? Well, I think number one is we have very, very effective immigration law. We're just not enforcing it. So, you know, yeah. that that's really what we need to do is, is um, I think Congress needs to go to school. They need to understand what laws are on the books and who's not enfor enforcing and why. And then we need to look to hold these people accountable. I mean, I know they're trying, but again, it seems like a charade. Um, but I, I think we should be closing our borders. We should be building the wall. We should be putting a stop on immigration until we get a hold on it. Right now, we're getting millions of Americans in here, and and you know it's going to start having a more of a detrimental impact economically. And unfortunately, I believe it's going to have an impact on our election processes. I mean, it seems to me that you know that's the underlying. Uh, reason why the Democrats are letting so so many people across the border is because they know historically that they're going to come here and easily be persuaded to vote Democrat. And they're giving them driver's licenses, they're giving them cell phones, they're putting them in, you know, four-star hotels. And meanwhile, yep. we have veterans sleeping under bridges. We have veterans, you know, multiple veterans killing themselves every day. Uh, mental health problems are through the roof. Our children are being manipulated on social media. All this money that we're spending you know, to help all of these illegal immigrants when we have a process for them to come here legally, 
it, yeah. it, to me, it's 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 detrimental to the country. It's a slap in the face for every American that's out there paying tax dollars, that's out there trying to pay their car payment with this inflation. And you know, I'll be advocating for us to, you know, look at reforming our um, you know our, our visa program. We have a lot of illegal immigrants coming in here, and then we also have you know some of our high skilled technical jobs that are be that are being given to um, immigrants that you know, are taking them away from, you know, very talented and qualified Americans. So I don't think there's a direct answer per se. I think everything with respect to immigration is on the table. It has to be uh, because everything about immigration has been off the table for the past three years that Biden has been president. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, well, let's take a question from our live audience real quick uh, before we go to the break. Kat uh, is our host over in the spaces uh, with the live audience. Uh, you got somebody with a question or a comment, Kat? No, but I do. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I do. Um, I just have a question for both of you. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily my job as whatever you want to call me, an influencer on this crazy platform, but what I am already <laughs> colossally sick of seeing is this with Mike Johnson in reference to the speaker. He just got in there. He's not doing – okay, he didn't do something they didn't like. One thing, the, the, the CRT, the, uh, the continued resolution. So everybody's pissed off about it. And they're literally ready to pull the ripcord and bail on this guy already. They're like, well, we made another mistake. You know, here we go again. Because, you know, they're frustrated and they're battle weary. Um, any advice on how to get him to redirect? Because I think we got to give this guy a chance. Well, I mean, we, we, I'll, I'll go first. We gave McCarthy 10 months. So give me a break. <laughs> anyway, JR, go ahead. <laughs> I just think we need to remind people that. You know, Mike Johnson ran for speaker um, because he was asked to by his peers. And, you know, he ran because he's grounded fundamentally in our Constitution and his religion, right? And and I think that that speaks for itself to me. And, you know, I do also feel like, you know, we're very quick to pull the trigger on people. But, you know, it's also incumbent upon Mike to take some time and, and, and address people, uh, whether he chooses um, Twitter for, for that to be his platform of choice or whether he's focused on his constituents in his district. Um, I think Mike is uh, a sound, uh, resolute Republican that is, you know, he, he sees the big picture. I think, you know, he's going to make it right. But, you know, I, I would just advocate, you know, for for us to not necessarily be patient because you can't really tell anybody to be patient given all yeah. that we've all gone through, but, you know, um, at least reminding them, you know, why we accepted Mike and why we supported him for the nomination, you know, not, not even a month ago. Absolutely. Well, we've got to take another commercial break to pay for this thing, JR. So stay with us, uh, folks. And when we come back, we'll uh, talk about some endorsements and continue our discussion about uh, Mr. Majewski's platform for our, his race in the Ohio District 9 for the U.S. Congress. We'll be right back. Over the last 20 years, with all your support, we've been able to not only launch the original MyPillow, but also the MyPillow mattress topper, Giza Dream bed sheets, my slippers, and the MyPillow bath towels. But there's so much more. In fact, we have over 200 products, and I'm so confident that you'll love each and every one of them that when you go to MyPillow.com now, you'll immediately receive a free gift valued at $20 just for checking out the website. No purchase necessary. Get everything from My 
my pillow blankets, sleepwear, kitchen towels, mattresses, duvets, pet beds, body pillows, comforters, couch pillows, bathrobes, and so much more. So go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get deep discounts on all my pillow products. And remember, just for checking out mypillow.com, you'll immediately receive a free gift valued at $20. No purchase necessary. This is a limited time promotion, so go to mypillow.com now. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Have you been threatened with levies or have unfiled returns? The IRS is hiring 87,000 agents to boost IRS collections and they have the power to seize assets, freeze bank accounts, and they can even take your home. Tax Network USA can help you today before it's too late. Our CPAs and certified tax experts have proven strategies that work for taxpayers time and time again. These same strategies have saved over $500 million in back taxes, permanently resolving tax debts for good. Stop collections and get relief today before it's too late. And J.R. Majewski, you know, he, suff he suffered a lot of false, false statements. And uh, I just want to tell you, everyone knows they, they all, all of the people that I've just named, but they have my complete and total endorsement. You know that. And uh, they treated J.R. very unfairly. They made up a lot of stories. He's a tremendous warrior and a great gentleman, and I think he's going to do very well tomorrow. But I think you got treated very unfairly. I don't even know what's going to happen. You know, the fake news went after him, and uh, we don't know what's going to happen. But I think you're going to have a good result, because the people know that you are a legitimate hero. You know who told me that? You know who told me that? Jim Jordan. That's all I have to hear when Jim says it. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show, where we're talking with the candidate for the Ohio District 9 against Marcy Kaptur, the lifelong leftist uh, that needs to go. Uh, J.R. Majewski, uh, J.R., that was President Trump from your last election where he publicly endorsed you. Uh, uh, and you got a, you just got a big endorsement yesterday from what I saw. Matt Gates has rolled in and yeah. uh, is giving you all of his support, it looks like. Yeah, Matt, Matt was actually uh, very instrumental in advocating for um, Congress to look into the fact that my military records were illegally obtained. And actually, it was him and Anna Paulina Luna and a few others that, you know, their their um, integrity and, and, and de dedication really um, led to the Congress determining that not only my records, but the records of 12 other uh, U.S. Air Force veterans had their records illegally obtained by an opposition research firm uh, paid for by the Democratic uh, Congressional Committee. So, um, yeah, Matt, Matt has been has become a friend. Um, I was, I was, you know, cheering him on when he was evicting Kevin. And, um, you know, I think he's uh, a stellar representative that we have right now in Congress. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have his support. It's unfortunate because Matt and I, you know, I tried to link up with him last cycle when I was running, but, you know, he was so busy dealing with things that he had going on. And, you know, I was running around like crazy here. I, I, I just didn't, you know, there's a couple of times where we were intended to meet and we just didn't have the chance. So, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and uh, here we are today, and Matt's one of my first endorsements. 
Well, I'm a big supporter of his and yours, uh, you know, and I'm sure President Trump's going to weigh in at some point. Uh, but you, you got my endorsement. My PAC's going to get behind you uh, this time, just like uh, last time I gave you my endorsement. Uh, I'm not I'm a little guy, but that doesn't matter <laughs> because uh, folks are listening and we do have another uh, hand raised over in the live audience for a question for you. Uh, Kat, uh, I think uh, uh, Joe had a question or Joseph. Yep, Joseph, go ahead. Hey, JR, this is Joseph. Thank you, Colonel, and thank you, Kat, for having me up here. And uh, I just want to say it's a great inspiration to see you, and your words really speak to me. I'm a truck driver running for District 17 down here in Texas, and I always thought that little guys or just blue-collar workers, white-collar workers can never really get their foot in the door when it comes to politics. Then I started doing some research, and I wanted to get in last year as well, but I missed a lot of deadlines. I didn't network properly, and hopefully... I'm taking those steps, but I was wanting to ask you, what did you do to get started? What steps did you take and who did you network with to promote your American First policies and beliefs and structured your outlook on how this country should move forward? Well, that's a good question, Joe. Um, you know, what I did, I, I had a little bit of a, of a head start. You know, um, in, in 2019, 2020, uh, I went viral for my support of President Trump. I painted, painted his logo on, you know, my my property here along Lake Erie, and I have a really, really large piece of land, and, and I painted a, I mean, it's just a huge Trump logo. You can, I mean, if you Google Earth my address, you'll still see it, um, but, you know, I had that going for me. That put me on Fox and Friends, and then it got me a lot of uh, uh, press coverage here locally, and, you know, I, I did some rallies for the president here at, at my home, and, um, you know, COVID had me, you know, and I'll be honest with all of you, you know, I'm not a blue-collar worker. Um, I was a white-collar guy, but I have blue-collar roots, and, you know, I've always uh, I've always respected and always worked alongside the folks that were, um, you know, the blue collar workers. But I, you know, I was labeled the blue collar guy by the media, and hey, I embraced it. I mean, I love blue collar workers. So, you know, but but really, at the end of the day, Joe, it's all about um, you know coming to grips with what you believe in and standing firm on that. Uh, nobody's going to help you. I'll, I'll tell you that right out of the bat. Uh, nobody's going to help you unless your mother and father or you have a good friend that's very wealthy and they're willing to give a bunch of money uh, to some special interest group or some local Republican Party. They're going to resist you. Um, they're going to expect you to stand in line. They're going to expect this, you know, uh, um, false um, presence of uh, seniority. Right. And um, you're just going to have to break molds. You're going to have to knock down walls and you're going to have to kick in doors. But you have to do it in a manner that, you know, resonates with the constituents in your district. And that's what I did. And, you know, I wasn't willing to take no for an answer. I knew that the two elected officials that were running against me were, you know, the epitome of the establishment. Um, you know, they went as far as to uh, get a hold of President Trump's team. And they had, you know, fake, uh, fake uh, exchanges on on instant messages, they photoshopped instant messaging, trying to insinuate that you know I was uh, bad mouthing President Trump, and it was just uh, <laughs> it was a roller coaster. And you know they'll never support you; they're never going to. You have to fall back on you know your principles, your ethics, your beliefs, and you have to be stubborn and not take no for an answer. And you have to you have to meet these clubs, you have to meet your party. Um, but you know just uh, take my word for what it is. Uh, in my circumstance, you know, they pretended to like me, but the reality of it was they were fighting me uh, every step of the way. And then when I won the general election, I still had, I still had uh, uh, some resistance, but that was more resentment than anything. So, 
you know, in a, in a perfect world, um, you know, we, we would have uh, local parties and a national party that understood the uh, desires of our founding fathers, and they would understand that there's you know, no, no prerequisite of seniority to run for office. It should be uh, the people that best represent the people in their districts. And, you know, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're driving truck from Texas, you sound like a kind of guy that should be running for office. Absolutely. Absolutely right, JR. You're absolutely right. You know, uh, uh, I ended my Air Force career as kind of a white collar guy, although I don't ever consider myself to be white collar because I did a lot of sweat equity, especially when I was enlisted. Sure. Uh, but you should, you were right to embrace that. The interesting thing that I found, uh, and you kind of mentioned it there, is that the pushback from Republicans for not being a career politician. I mean, they mm -hmm. literally said, well, you needed to have come up uh, in the party as an activist and through the county party apparatus in the state and then the national in order to run for office. Uh, and they're talking to a 30-something-year career military person who's moved around all his life, uh, and, and that would, like, disqualify, disqualify me from every office that exists. Uh, so right. it's really puzzling that the Republicans uh, are like that. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just counterintuitive, right? You got a guy like me and yourself, right? So I'm I'm off making double what I would make in, in Congress at the US level in the in the private industry. And you know, I decide to run for office. The pay doesn't really matter, but you know, as a young I'm a young guy, so younger, um, but you know, I have to consider my salary when I'm when I'm doing these things, right? And being willing to take a, a significant pay cut to run for federal office uh, was something I was willing to do. But then you'd have to take a fraction of that. And apply, you know, that that would then be my salary if I ran for the state. So how are, how does the party expect to attract talent, or expect people to come to office and bring some things along with them um, that are going to be beneficial to not only the party but the country, right? Vivek Ramaswamy is an example. I mean, mm -hmm. Ronna McDaniel is is uh, ostracizing him, and they and she should be embracing him. The guy's a, a very talented, smart guy, and you know he's he's out attracting youth to the Republican Party. And, you know, she's snubbing her nose at him because, you know, he hasn't kissed her ring. And that that's the unfortunate uh, circumstance that we're dealing with. And it's not just at the national level. I mean, and yeah. I'll be quite frank, there's some pretty good Republican parties countywide across this country. I'm not I'm yeah. not trying to label every every county party, but I would say there are there are more than uh, there are not that are operating in this faction. And that's why Republicans are having such a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, we're running out of time. Remind folks where to go to find you and to more importantly, donate, donate, donate people. <laughs> uh, like Bannon says, action, action, action. Well, the action you need to get people like J.R. Majewski into the U.S. Congress so we can stop the bullshit that's happening is to donate to him because that's what he's focused on right now. So he has the money to beat Marcy Captor. Go ahead and tell right. him, Jim. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll preface that with this. The establishment has gotten a primary opponent for me, um, a gentleman that I beat last cycle by six points. He's the uh, former state rep from a little corner in the state. And uh, he's not the man that he pretends to be. Not going to say his name because me saying his name would give his name ID a lot more than than uh, he deserves. But, you know, Kevin McCarthy came to the district. They helped him raise about $750,000, okay? That's what yep. we're dealing with across the country. So, you know, Republicans, if we if we want to win, we have to donate. And, 
you know, I ran for office last cycle. My FEC reports are out there. You can see how frugal I was. You can see how smart I was with the money. And you can know that any dollar that you donate to me, number one, you'll get a text message from me or uh, an email from me personally. It's not some scam. And uh, to thank you. And also, you know, you'll be able to see that your dollar is going towards a guy that can't be bought, that's fought the good fight, that's a veteran, and that's willing to stand for the values that we all believe in, which starts with the United States of America. So thank you, Colonel. I appreciate you. Well, thank you for coming on, JR, and spending some time with us. And uh, we are here to help you. So we're going to do that. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that was JR Majewski, uh, Congressional District, Ohio, number nine. Go donate to him. David Gillio yesterday, I keep tripping over David's name. Go donate to him. He's McCarthy's primary opponent. Well, that's it for today and this week. So I'll see you on More War Monday next week. And this time we're talking about the political war that's raging inside our own country. And Tucker is still laughing. <laughs>